Good morning. Uh, yes, three people. Amen. Hallelujah. Um, good morning. Man, so excited just to um, dig into this word with you this morning. If you have your Bible, you can go ahead and flip open to Luke. We're going to be in Luke chapter 1 this morning talking about um, the Christmas story. And uh, I know maybe when you hear that, that doesn't bring large amounts of excitement. Um, you're like, man, I've heard the Christmas story. I'm looking for something new today, Brad. Well, the Bible is the Bible, right? And it's not going to get any more pages and there's not going to be any more stories. And um, God put all the stories we need right here in this book. And uh, today we're not looking for a new revelation or a new book or a new thing. This word is good and it is good for us. And um, this morning, through just the, the help of the Holy Spirit, I pray that um, this is new and fresh, like God says it will be in Hebrews, right? So the word of God is living, and that means every time we approach this, it should be like the very first time. God, what would you say to me from this page? God, what would you say to my heart today? And um, man, I'm so excited just to get to talk about the birth of Jesus with you guys. Um, I was raised in church. I don't know if you know that. Maybe you were, maybe you weren't, but I think we kind of run the risk sometimes if we've heard these stories too much. It's like we've been inoculated to the truth of, of just God's word. Like we got our little vaccine and now we hear the story. We're just not amazed by it anymore. I think we do the same thing with the cross, right? Like when we first hear about the cross, we come to this knowledge of Jesus. We're like, man, the cross is the greatest thing. And then two years down the road, we're like, I mean, yeah, the cross is cool, Right? It was the source of life for us. It was, man, this is the greatest moment in the history of the world. And then we, we know too much, right? And we're like, ah, it's not that big of a deal anymore. In reality, man, it is the big deal. Without that, there is nothing else. Jesus' primary role and goal when he came to this planet was to save his people from their sins. And there's no greater truth than that. And without that, man, it doesn't matter what you do. It doesn't matter what you say. It doesn't matter how many of the laws you think you can keep. You're dead and you are hopeless and you're without God. See, the cross is the moment that changes everything for us. And I'm still amazed at that. But this morning we come to talk about the Christmas story. And I know maybe the cross sounds gruesome when we think about this baby. But the truth of it is when God sent his son, when Jesus stepped into the world by his choice, that was the reason and the purpose of this little baby when he stepped onto the planet. And we can't forget that. At the moment of the cradle, there was this shadow coming of the cross. And this morning we're going to talk about that in Luke um, one, I know some of you are like, man, Luke 2, that's what I want to do. We'll come back in two weeks and we'll talk about Luke 2. But um, this morning, we're going to talk about Luke 1. And I'm just going to pray again, if that's okay. Um, also going to pray again if it's not, so whatever. Um, but I just ask maybe that you would pray with me this morning. See, church is not about coming and sitting. It's about participating. And uh, if you're just coming and sitting, you're missing the greater uh, picture and the greater story. So um, let's pray maybe together that God would just open our eyes and our hearts to what he's going to say this morning. Father God, we thank you for who you are and what you've done. God, we thank you this morning that we get the opportunity to come and stand around this moment in history, this great moment where Jesus, the, the star breather, the maker of heaven and earth, the active voice of creation, it says in Corinthians, this, this Jesus decided to step down onto the planet earth, that the, the creator stepped into his creation and he became a part of what was going on, that he would no longer be God above us or God around us, but that he would come and he would be Emmanuel, God with us. God, this morning, I, I pray that for every heart in this place, that that would bring some excitement, that you would speak some, some, some joy into that moment, that, that this is still true today. That Jesus didn't come 2,000 years ago to be God with some shepherd people. And Jesus didn't come to be God with Mary, but he came to be God with us. And I'm part of that. Today I get to be part of the Emmanuel story, the part of the story of God with us, that that's accessible to me. And it doesn't matter what I've done, and it doesn't matter who I am, and it doesn't matter really what I've come from, it doesn't even really matter who I'll be. What matters this morning is that God showed up on the planet to love me and to know me. I didn't deserve that, and I most of the time do not get that. But today, God, I pray that you'll open our eyes and our hearts and our ears to that reality that God loves us and he wants us. 
That when he came in his mind, in his heart, before he ever left heaven, what was this picture of the cross? And he knew what it would cost him to step into this place, but he chose to do it anyway. Because he saw value in somebody like me. So God, this morning, um, God, light our hearts again. Ignite our hearts again with a fire and a passion for who you are. Because, God, you never lost your passion for us. God, this morning we pray, God, that we'd be receptive to whatever it is you would say. We love you and we thank you. It's in your name, Jesus, we pray. Amen. Um, As I said, this morning we're going to be in Luke chapter 1, and we're going to talk about... um, a story of, of, of Jesus coming and in a, in a, put a title, it's like a generic Christmas message title, right, on, on this whole um, series. I'm going to rotate probably for the next 30 years through like two or three titles, so just get used to it. But this one this year is the greatest story. And really, I just put one on there so we could remember it, because what is a title, right? <laughs> Who cares about any of that stuff? But um, we're going to talk about the, this reality of, of the greatest story, and it's not like this fairy tale that I think we make it into sometimes. I think we run the risk because we we brought up, right, on stories. Stories of um, maybe knights in shining armor or maybe stories of some egg who sits on a wall and falls off. And I think sometimes we put Jesus, like, in the same category because we've heard this story so many times. But this is, like, not even based on a true story. Like, this is the true story. Um and then this morning, we're, we're going to talk about that because to me, it's still an amazing thing that God himself, right? Like not Jesus who was created in Bethlehem, but God himself stepped out of heaven and into flesh to, to, to do this. And, and it's still an amazing thing to me that God would wrap his um, kind of inapproachable light in approachable dirt and he would come down to be God with us. And then um, last week we read out of the Gospel of Matthew and we talked about Joseph's kind of perspective on that story. And this morning we're going to be in the Gospel of Luke and talk about the uh, other parent, right, Mary's perspective on the birth of Jesus. And this morning with the help of God, I just pray that maybe it'll be different this time, that, that God um, in his in His um, immense knowledge and, and power would just open up our hearts to a different truth. But the Gospel of Luke is one of the two Gospels that actually talks about the birth of Jesus. We have Matthew who kind of hits a highlight in there. It's just a little bitty blip kind of thing of the birth of Jesus. And then Mark, which is the abbreviated Gospel or the Gospel for people who don't like to read much, um, ignores it completely. And then you have Luke, which is, is very detailed and kind of um, Gentile-oriented. So we can kind of step into it. He loves, apparently, the birth story of Christ, and he writes about it for a long time. And then you have John who comes kind of in the back door and, and goes a, a different way through the birth of Jesus and talks about how Jesus is not just a baby in a, a manger somewhere, but he's, he's God in flesh, and, and, and he, he came to dwell with us. The, this, this light became flesh. This word became flesh. And um, this morning we're going to be in Luke, and we're going to talk about um, Mary's perspective on the birth of Jesus. And it starts kind of in verse 26 chapter 1 and it says in the sixth month now I think if we're kind of calendar people we're already counting up we're trying to figure out like okay in the sixth month we can go through that thing Um, but if if you look back one verse it's talking about the fifth month and the fifth month it's talking about it's not fifth month of the year but the fifth month of a a pregnancy not Mary's pregnancy but her her cousin Elizabeth's um, yeah pregnancy and, and then we we jump down to one verse and now we're in the sixth month not of the year but of the pregnancy of mary's cousin and, and it says in the sixth month an angel the angel gabriel which we've read about earlier in the chapter the same actually angel who showed up to zachariah to announce the birth of john who would later be called john the baptist not because john's the father of the baptist faith by the way uh, but because john liked to dunk people in water um, this prophet that was kind of coming to prepare the way of jesus angel Gabriel shows up earlier in the chapter and he he shows um, Zechariah you're going to have a son and the son's going to do some amazing things but the same angel shows up now to Mary and he was sent by God to a town called or to a town in Galilee which is kind of the northern area of Israel called Nazareth Nazareth is a kind of blip on the radar town a little 
bitty town, a little insignificant town, by the way, in the northern part of Israel, a town that if you read the scriptures up to this point in time, there's no mention of. It's not significant in the Old Testament. There was nothing amazing that happened there. It was just a town with very few people in it. Um, Nazareth today maybe is a little bit more popular because the story but at this point in time it would be like a a one horse town kind of thing right like a there's a stop sign and then you're done maybe a couple of houses there's not much going on in the town of Nazareth and I think the reader hearing this in in Luke would immediately be like well what God sent an angel where why would he do that right like there's there's important cities going on in Israel and there's some important people in Israel and here we have God sending a message right a messenger an angel to this little bitty town and you're like God's already messed something up here shouldn't this is weird um and it says he sent this angel um to Nazareth to a virgin uh which at this point in the story they don't even care to mention her name right? It's just a lady that's never been with a man. We can already tell Mary is not some uh, princess or some uh, priestess. She's just a a lady that happens to have ever been with a man, to a virgin who was engaged to a man named Joseph. Now we got a name. Mary is known by who she's engaged to. Nobody in the town that lived very far away would have known the name Mary. Nobody outside of Nazareth would have ever heard of this Mary. Nobody would have really thought much about Mary. There's no talents really that we know about that Mary had that would make her stand out. She's not some prophetess that that has come. She's just Mary, insignificant to the world, Mary. And God's sending a message to Mary. Mary happens to be engaged to a man named Joseph, who again, we don't really get much about in this segment of the story who's of the house of David. Here's a name we can recognize, right? David, King David, who, you know, if you look back in the Old Testament, was the most famous king to ever live in Israel. He was uh, the most prosperous king to ever live in Israel, I guess probably other than Solomon, but he was the most loved king ever, right? Solomon was kind of a weirdo, and he did some different stuff. He was rich, but, you know, um, Also not really super great guy, but here's David who everybody still celebrates, this king that that come and they've looked forever for this um, promise of this new king that would come through that same line because everybody loved David. And here's Joseph who happens to be related to that guy. Now, this doesn't, however, make Joseph really an important man. It would be kind of today like if you were like, yeah, George Washington was my blah, 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 right? Like, it doesn't get you anything. You don't get discounts at the Burger King because you're related to George Washington. It's just like a cool story. And here, um, Joseph has a, a cool story, right? Great, 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 great granddad was David. Probably a lot of other people could say that too because, again, Solomon. Um, but um, doesn't really make him a very important guy. And so she was engaged to this man named Joseph of the house of David. And then finally, at the end of this, the virgin's name, by the way, was Mary. Doesn't even say it important, does it? In 28, it says, that, And the angel came to her and said, or this messenger came to her, and he said, Rejoice, a word meaning to feel or to show great joy. And, oh, be super happy, Mary. Um, Rejoice, favored woman. This word favored comes from the word favor, which would just mean kind of like um, chosen, maybe. That, that this person is approved of, that this person is, is tend toward, is, is a synonym of that. Um, this person has been chosen. So basically what the angel is saying to her is rejoice or be happy, chosen woman. The Lord is with you. The Lord's with you. God is with you. Now you hear that greeting and you're like, man, that's an amazing greeting, right? And just sitting in your living room one day and an angel pops up and he's like, rejoice, chosen person, the Lord is with you. You'd be like, okay, I can deal with that. That sounds great to me. I I think that would be an amazing greeting, right? Anybody? No? Okay, cool. Well, I'm good with it. You do whatever you want. But uh, I think that's pretty good news. Hey, you can be happy. God chose you. um, And and, and, um, it's going to be amazing because God is with you. That sounds like a good greeting to me. You do whatever you want to do. You do you. Um, But it says that that wasn't necessarily her reaction. In 29, it says, but she was deeply troubled by this statement. 
Now you have to remember, Mary's not like sitting in the church room today like, oh, rejoice, the Lord is with you, Mary, in the third row who's just ready for it this morning. Mary's somewhere else, and this is not a normal occurrence. Like angels don't just, well, I mean, apparently in Luke 1, you would think it was, but I mean, normally in the Bible, angels don't just pop into people and be like, hey, I got a message for you. That's not a normal thing unless you're reading Luke 1. Um, But this angel shows up and She's not thinking, oh, this is the greatest thing ever. I've been waiting on this message from God. Um, she's thinking, oh, man, this is not good news. See, we've been spoiled by too many Christmas plays, and we think all angels are little, like, nine-year-old girls with, like, long, flowing hair that just kind of have this white robe and some wings on. They just step up into the light and give this message, and you're like, that's an amazing thing. Look how cute they are. Uh, but angels are not that. And if you ever see angels in the Bible, two, two things are happening usually. One is whoever's there is kind of falling down afraid. Right? Every time you see one, they're scary. So apparently they're scary-looking people. They're not little nine-year-old girls. Uh, they're something else uh, bigger and scarier than that. And uh, two, when they show up, a lot of times they're killing somebody <laughs> in the name of the Lord. Uh, if you go back to the Old Testament, there's an angel that kills 185,000 Assyrian warriors by himself. 185,000 trained men of war by himself. That's not really um, something we would think of when we think of a nine-year-old girl. Um, Maybe they do that. I don't know. But um, (laughs) that's not what we would think of. And here this thing, this angel, shows up in wherever she is, and he's got a message, and all she's thinking in this message is, oh, man, this is not about to go well for me. You are scary, and you can just head up on out of here now, please, without hurting me. That would be great. Um, so she is scared, right? She was deeply troubled. She was scared. She was freaked out. She was, I don't know what's going on here. This is not good. The message is good, right? The message is rejoice, chosen woman. Uh, the Lord is with you. That's that's a good message, Um Unfortunately, uh, it's also a scary message. I'll just be honest, anytime God has a message, if you're not a little bit scared, it's probably not from God. Um, Like if you're like, oh yeah, that sounds like the greatest thing ever, uh, you got the message from somebody else because when God gives messages, God's messages are a little bit scary. If you've ever got one, you know that to be true um, because they are usually things that you cannot accomplish on your own. God's not like, oh, yeah, go to Burger King today. Oh, great, that sounds amazing, God. Um, He's given you something deeper than that that's like, I'm going to do this, and you're going to be part of it, and that's kind of a scary thing. Um, So he shows up, and he's like, hey, I got a message from God. Uh, Be super happy about it because you've been chosen. Uh, The Lord is with you. And it says that she freaked out a little bit at that, uh, wondering what kind of greeting this could be. What are you talking about? It says in 30, then the angel told her, do not be afraid. You ever tried that with somebody? (laughs) Oh, thank you. That's so helpful. I'm just, I'm I'm so much better now. Um, I'd never thought of that. Don't be afraid. That's great. Um, So an angel shows up and and they're apparently imposing creatures. And the first thing he says is, hey, you don't have to be afraid. You don't have to freak out. You don't have to, don't don't be afraid. That's not helpful, right? I did, where did you come from, right? Like, let's, get, let's get into the business. Where did you come from? Or are you going to hurt me? Like, that's the things I want to know. And then we'll decide if I need to be afraid or not. And he's, oh, don't be afraid, right? Not helpful. Um, but he does that. Don't be afraid. Thank you, angel. Um, don't be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. Or you've been chosen, right, by God, that, you've, that God tends towards you. He sees you, and, and he, he, he kind of likes you. That's not the message, right? You are chosen is not the message. That's what God did, and now he's going to give a message. See, the truth of it is, if you know Jesus, you've been chosen, but that's not the full story, is it? That's where we want to stay at. Oh, thank you, Jesus. I'm chosen. Let me just, uh, that chair looks good. I'm going to come sit in there. I'm just going to ride it out till hopefully, right, the rapture comes because that's the one I want. But if not, until I exit this planet in a less pleasant way, hopefully like asleep and comfortable. But like that's what we're waiting on, right? Because we think that's the full message of God. Oh, thank you for the cross. I'm chosen. I'm just going to park it now and come to church and sing the songs. And that's not the message, right? 
It's not Mary's message. It's not your message. It's never been the message. The message has never been, hey, Jesus died for you so you could sit on your butt and not do anything for the rest of your whole existence here. But don't worry, we're going to go to heaven and sing songs one day. That's never been the message. (laughs) It starts with your chosen. The message always kind of follows that. So Mary's message was, not you have found favor with God, but what's going to follow that? Hey, Mary, I chose you. Now let me tell you what I chose you for. And it says in 31, now listen, perk up your ears, pay attention. This is going to go fast. Uh, you will conceive and give birth to a son. Here's the message. You're going to get pregnant and you're going to give birth to a son. That's awesome. Thank you. Um, and you will call his name Jesus. You don't get to pick the name, by the way. Uh, it's not going to be Joseph number two or Joseph the lesser. It's going to be um, Jesus, which actually has a meaning, by the way, if you didn't know that. Um, Jesus is the English version of a Hebrew name, which is um, Joshua or Yeshua or Yehoshua. And it's a two-part kind of compound word, and the first part means uh, Yahweh, And the second part means delivers or saves. Yahweh saves, that God saves. It's the name of Jesus. See, the mission of Jesus was always to do this, right? Jesus didn't show up, and it's like, well, whatever you want me to do, it's like when he left heaven, his decision was, I'm coming, and I'm coming to save, right? I'm not coming to see what feels good that day. I'm not coming to see kind of what motions I want to go through for however long you leave me here. I'm coming on a mission with a purpose, and that purpose is at the end of my life, 33 and a half years in, I'm going to die on a cross, and I'm going to save these people. Who are these people? Anybody, right? Anybody who God would call. That was the mission and the purpose of Jesus right here before he's ever born in the story. Why is that important? Why is that important? I think, I think we try to assign other things to Jesus, don't you? Jesus came so we could come to church. Or Jesus came so we could get the tingly feeling and raise our hands sometimes. Or Jesus came so we could read and understand the Bible. Maybe all these are side effects of why Jesus came, but Jesus did not come for those things. Jesus came to heal people. Well, yes, Jesus does heal people, but these are side effects. Jesus did not come for that mission or purpose. What he came for was one thing, and that thing was to save us from our sins. The most amazing thing about Jesus is he came to save. Right? We want to add all these other things on here and make these things the greater things. Those things are all side effects of the greatest thing, which is that God himself left heaven to come down here. The God who dwells in inapproachable light put on approachable flesh, and he came down here, and he was born in a, in a, in a manger in a place of humble birth, and he, and he lived a humble life as a carpenter, right? And he hung out with the guys. And then uh, at the end of that life, he died for the sins of everybody. Oh, that's not amazing to you. I don't have anything else. I don't have anything else. If that's not amazing to you, then you got to go somewhere else because that's all I got. Jesus came to die so that you could be saved. That was the mission and the purpose and the plan of the Savior. Before he ever entered the planet, that's what he came for. And before he ever stepped into this place, God said, so that nobody misses it, right? That's going to be his name. It's not God heals. That's not what Jesus means. And it's not God gives you money. That's not what that means. Or God comes so you don't have to suffer. That's not what Jesus means. It means Jesus saves. Jesus saves. God saves. God came to save. That was the mission and the purpose and the plan of Jesus. And he just dumps it right here in his name. Mary's like, okay. This is in 32. He will be great. (laughs) You love to hear that about your kids. I'll just show up. Hey, I just want you to know, you're going to have a kid. <laughs> they are going to be great. Okay, thank you. Um, and, and he will be called the Son of the Most High. People are going to refer to him as the Son of the Most High, or the Son of God. And it says, and the Lord will give him the throne of his father, David. Oh, his father's name right like what are you what are you talking about his father david this is this is that prophecy right that, that david the king would have a, a, an heir to his throne that would reign forever he says that i'll give him the throne of his father david and it says in 33 he will reign over the house of jacob jacob has another name what's his name 
Israel. He will reign over the house of Jacob, or he will reign over Israel forever, God's people forever, and his kingdom will have no end. That's the message, by the way. You are chosen as the starting place. That's the message. Can you imagine hearing that? I know, like, if God showed up and he was like, hey, this is what your kid's going to do, um, maybe some of you guys would be like, that's, that sounds amazing. God signed me up. Um, that's cool. Um, that, that's the greatest. Um, I'll just be honest. Mary, not so much on board with that. Well, how, how can you say that? Well, listen to what she says. Uh, Mary asked the angel, how can this be since I have never been or not been intimate with a man? I've never been with a man. How, how, how can this be? You read that and you're like, well, I mean, that's a valid question. But what Mary is saying at this point in time is, hey, are you sure? Are you sure this is Mary? That's my name. (laughs) I'm Mary. Were you looking for somebody else? Um, From Nazareth. You see, Mary realizes something that maybe we don't always realize when we see the story is Mary's really a nobody. Well, what's Mary's claim to fame other than the fact that her, her son was Jesus? Would we be sitting around ever mentioning the name of Mary had her, her son not been Jesus? Right? Like, would you have little Mary statues in your house if her son wasn't Jesus? Or would, like, the, the Catholic Church, would they, like, honor Mary to the degree they do or even know who she is if her son wasn't Jesus? And the answer is no. Like, Mary had nothing. Mary was a nobody. Mary was just some lady. We don't know what she looked like. We don't know what she did. We just know that she was a lady that happened to be a virgin, that God did something amazing through. Like Mary is just Mary, right? You could change her name to anything you want to. She could be from any uh, city that she wanted to be from or God wanted her to be from. Like there's no significant thing necessarily that we see in the Bible about Mary. She's just a lady. And not only is she just a lady, she's just a lady from Nazareth, right? Like it was almost like God just took the map of Israel and he's like, hey, what's the smallest city? Nazareth. Yeah, that'll, be, that'll work. Does anything happen there? Like anything significant happen in Nazareth? No? Nope. Okay, that's, that's the one then, right? Like people would be shocked if it was like, oh yeah, the Savior from Nazareth. That makes so much sense. People were shocked when they heard that. Like Nazareth was an, a nothing town and, and Mary really, and I'm not trying to be offensive to Mary, she's probably a great lady, was a nobody. And when she heard this message, what she knew that we don't know is, hey, I'm Mary from Nazareth. This is not Jerusalem. <laughs> like, maybe you took a wrong turn somewhere, but this is Nazareth. Nobody, uh, nobody really even knows me outside of this town. I don't know. I'm not like a prophetess. I've never done the prophet thing. I don't even know how to do the prophet thing. I'm not some priestess. I don't have anything to do with the temple. Um, I'm, I'm not some princess. I'm not royalty. There's nothing special about me. I'm just Mary. So when this angel comes and says this, and she knows exactly, like any, any Jewish person reading these words would know exactly when the angel said this red flag, Messiah, That's what everybody was looking for with the Messiah, basically. I'm from the throne of David, and I'm coming, and I'm going to set up an eternal kingdom that's going to last forever, right? Like if you ever read the book of Daniel, this is is the Messiah that he's talking about. He would come, he would set up a universal kingdom that would last forever. And and God just showed up through an angel, and he's like, hey, by the way, uh, you're going to give birth to the Messiah. Yeah. Isn't that crazy? Like Genesis 3, all the way through the book until right here. You've been looking for this guy. And I know like a whole lot of people have given up on the fact that this, even, this guy's even coming. And you, Mary, from, N- yeah, Nazareth, I know. Uh, you <laughs> are going to give birth to him. That would be the equivalent of God showing up to you, ladies, and being like, hey, by the way, uh, you're going you're gonna, to you're gonna be the mother of Jesus. <laughs> no, <laughs> Right? How does, that even, how does that even make sense? It would make sense, right, if it was in the palace, maybe. Oh, God's son definitely could be born into a palace. I could totally see that. Uh, yeah, I agree. Amen. Hallelujah, Father. Or maybe even to the temple, right? Like some Levite lady who was like maybe the wife of the high priest. Like maybe we could see that. It's significant, right? Something to offer. 
But here's Mary. Like, what does she even do? Does she know how to do anything? She maybe doesn't even know how to cook. Like, we don't know if Mary irons or cooks. or We don't know if she does anything. She's not like a business lady. She's not important, really, to anything in the story up until this point in time. And God says, yeah, I know you're unlikely. I know you're not the one everybody's really necessarily looking for. I know that you're a nobody and you're from a nobody town, but I'm about to make you a, a somebody in my story. Mary, like all of us, is like, are you, are you sure? I don't know that that is something that makes sense to me. Um, how can this be? Um, I, I'm, I've never even been with a guy. How can I be pregnant? I think you have the wrong Mary. And it says the angel replied to her, okay, if you must know, uh, here's how. The Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High, that's God, by the way, will overshadow you. Therefore, because of what God has done, um, the Holy One to be born, not if or maybe or if God chooses, but the Holy One that's going to be born will be called the Son of God, or literally will be the Son of God. Her question is, hey, I, I don't know how this is going to happen because I've never been with a, a man. And God's like, well, actually, I don't have to even follow the rules, so I don't even need that. I, like, made everything. I made the rules. I can do whatever I want to, is what saying. See, Mary is looking at limitations. I can't do this because blank. And God's like, well, there really aren't any limitations because I'm God. Like, like, yeah, you're Mary, you're normal, you're average, and Joseph, like, yeah, he's, he's whatever, um, but I'm God, and I don't, even, I don't even need any of that. And it says in 36, the angel even says, consider your relative Elizabeth, you know, the story we didn't read before this, um, consider your relative Elizabeth, Here's the synopsis of the story. Even she has conceived a son in her old age. And this is the sixth month, so there it is again, uh, for her who was called barren. The angel comes and he's like, I, I know this seems crazy to you. It seems impossible, actually. But think about Elizabeth. You, you know her, right? And it's like your cousin. You have been staying with her. Um, they never thought she was going to have a kid. Actually, she's older. Like, she shouldn't even really be able to. And people were calling her barren. Oh, there's no way Elizabeth's going to have a kid. It's not a possibility. They've tried, and they've prayed for it, and it's it's been a thing, and it's never. they've just never been able to. She's never going to have a kid. People had given up on the fact that Elizabeth would have a kid is really what the angel is saying here. But look, now she's six months pregnant. That's maybe not a big thing to you, but it's it's really a big thing when everybody thinks you can't have a kid and really physically you shouldn't be able to. Your body kind of shut that down and God just started it back up again. It's a, it's a big deal. And then the angel comes on with this statement and um, he says, for nothing, um, not one thing, will be impossible with God. Not one thing will be impossible possible with God nothing will be impossible with God and the proof of that like here's the proof that I'm meaning what I'm saying is I'm the same angel that showed up to Zachariah and said hey Elizabeth's gonna have a kid and Zachariah like he laughed at me and then I took his voice away for a couple months it was kind of a kind of a joke we have going on um and then and then she's six months pregnant he's still not talking by the way at this point in the story um but um he, he didn't think that I could really be telling the truth either but here we are doing amazing things over here um, for nothing not one thing is impossible with God don't you love that statement not one thing is impossible with God see the problem is Mary was looking at this whole thing from like Mary's perspective I'm just Mary and I'm just over here in Nazareth and like I don't even think like trade happens with Nazareth it's just like there and like nobody goes there because it's nothing it's like a nobody town here's Mary who like maybe seven people on the planet I'm exaggerating know who she is and um, she doesn't really do anything special and Mary sees what God is saying, and she's like, yeah, but I'm Mary. 
that can't happen because I'm Mary. Like, I'm just Mary, right? Like, maybe that Mary or that Mary or maybe Mary over there, but not me. I'm, I'm just Mary. And the angel says, but look what I did through just Elizabeth. Look what God did through just Elizabeth, who everybody also thought was just Elizabeth, and there was no way that was going to happen, and everybody counted that out. And here, God is in the picture doing stuff that everybody says that he can't do. And if God can do that stuff over here with Elizabeth, then God can do that stuff over here with Mary is really what he's saying. Because not one thing is impossible with God. And the proof of that is, is God's doing impossible stuff everywhere with people that are willing to be used to do impossible things. See, the truth of it is what we always think God's willing to do is the possible thing. So what we do is very little and very small, right? We like are looking for things that we can do under our own power. That way, if God doesn't actually show up and God doesn't actually do anything, that we can probably still make it happen and we won't look dumb. But God actually is not ever interested in doing things that we can do on our own, right? Like he gave you the power to do the things that you can do on your own. So he says, go do the things that you can do on your own. It's not a God thing to wake up an hour early and come, do, uh, and co- and come stand at the door. That's not a God thing. That's a you thing. Anybody in the room can do that. God is interested in doing the things that are bigger than us. Like those are the moments that God will show up for. And the thing I love about this story is what God's saying is it's not just special people that God's willing to do that for. You didn't even get that, right? Because immediately you're like, like, I mean, yeah, maybe for you. You're doing that whole Mary thing, right? Like, well, maybe for that Mary, but not for me. God, God's, he just kind of does the little stuff through me. I'm just a, I'm a little stuff person, and he's anointed special people to do big things. And the truth of it is, if you know Jesus, you've been chosen, and there's a message that kind of flows out of that. There's a thing that comes after that, and none of those messages are, I just called you to come and sit here. Oh, yeah, you're, you're a setter. Hallelujah. I died on the cross so you could sit. That's, uh, man, that's all I had for you. Um, sorry you didn't get the lottery with Jesus, right? Like maybe, maybe other people, they got a gift and like God's going to use them for, for amazing things, but you're just Mary. That's what we think about when we, when we do this whole church thing. And this story is totally the inverse of that. And it's, hey, God will just choose people that are willing to be chosen. And then God will do crazy stuff. See, the truth of it is the, the impossible is not the end place with God. It's the starting place with God. And if you're not engaged in anything impossible today, then I don't know that you're really engaged in, in the message of God. Ow. I want to I hear that. I want to I think about that. And I know there's some tension in that. But, uh, but, but, but maybe you're just the chosen sitter right now. And what God is saying is, I've got more than that. Not more than that. I didn't die on the cross so anybody could just sit there. You, you ever read this thing? How many people do you see in the story that just sit there? There aren't any because none of those people made it into the story, right? See, the, 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 this story, and I know you're like, man, you're really far away from Christmas right now. No, I'm in the heart of Christmas right now. is that God came to, to choose people, to call people, and then out of those people, God chose to do extraordinary things. And let's just be honest, coming to church is not an extraordinary thing. It may be hard, but it's not extraordinary, right? Like, oh, it's early, that's great. That's all we got, so show up, right? Like, <laughs> that's what we got. If it takes a little God juice to get you out of bed, then that's the thing, but it's still not impossible, Standing for three songs, not impossible, right? And God's saying, but I mean, I have some stuff. I've got some stuff. And anybody in the room, right, any Marys can be involved in it. And see, I think this is such an important message for us because I think what we do is, like I said, we try to deflect. No, it's for them. It's for them. I I could never stand on stage. Well, maybe not, but maybe that's not your impossible thing. I'll be honest. This is not impossible. I I know a lot of people. I've seen a lot of people, and I I know just 
from experience, there are a lot of people that stand up here under their own power. This is not an impossible thing, and they build churches on their own power, and they build kingdoms, but they're not God's kingdom, on their own power. I know people that do that. It's not an impossible thing. Some people are just gifted speakers, and they can do it, right? They just pick a topic they can be successful at, and the one that they got is Jesus. But they can do it under their own power, like singing. Like That's not really an impossible thing, right? It's not even hard for some people. Some people are just like, man, I was born, and I have the voice of an angel, and I'll just get up there, and I'll do it. And it's not by the power of the Holy Spirit or the might of God. It's just by the power of my lungs, and I can do it, and I can fake it with the best of them, and I can raise my hand, but that's not a God thing either because anybody can do this, right? Go to Taco Bell, find somebody. Hey, can you lift your hand? Oh, amazing, man, that was the power of God. It's not hard. All right, there are musicians that play all over the planet all the time. That's not an impossible thing. This is just the thing that makes the Sunday happen, right? Like, but God is calling people out of, I'm just going to come and I'm going to set here into, hey, you want to do something that you cannot do on your own? You know, you know what Mary couldn't do on her own? Make the Messiah. Let's just start with that. You know what Elizabeth couldn't do on her own? Have a kid. They tried. And you know why God showed up in each story? Because God wanted to write a story that wasn't about Elizabeth and wasn't about Mary. It was about God. And that's what happens when we engage in the impossible. Because here's the deal. When you engage in the impossible, people are going to look at you and they're going to be like, there is no way that idiot can do that. And you can say, amen, brother. It's all him. And maybe three months down the road, they're going to still be looking at you and be like, no way you're going to do it. No way you're going to do it. No way you're going to do it. And you're like, that's true. I'm not going to do it. But just keep watching. Just keep looking. Because I know that God has said this, and I know that God will do it. I don't have to be educated or trained or called. I don't have to be confirmed. I don't have to be anything because God has called me to do it. So I will just go, and I will do it. Amen. Right? Like anybody with me this morning? Like anybody, like even just a little bit with me this morning? If you don't get anything else out of this morning, you're like, well, we were talking about sweet baby Jesus. Yes, we are. And sweet baby Jesus came to show us that with the power of God, God could do an amazing thing. And the truth of it this morning is this story should show us that God is willing to write amazing, impossible stories through the lives of anybody who is A, chosen, saved, knows Jesus, but then B, is willing to answer. You know, we don't see more impossible things in the church because we've settled for less. We read these, isn't it crazy? We read these stories and we're like, oh my gosh, look at these crazy things God did, but there's no hunger in us to see God do a crazy thing. You ever read Acts? Like, you ever just read it? You ever just in that story been like, dude, wouldn't it be so awesome just to walk into the hospital and be like, be healed, and people just get up out of the bed? Wouldn't that be an amazing thing? And I'm not saying that's your thing. Go try that. <laughs> it may work for you. I'm not saying that's your thing, but uh, isn't there like even a little bit of a hunger in you to be like, man, wouldn't that be awesome? You ever read the story of Peter like stepping out on water and you're like, dude, wouldn't that be awesome? I'll be honest, I've tried that before, just like in the pool. Um, just like, let me just test this out. Like, God, wouldn't that be cool if I could just, I mean, it's never worked for me, but I've tried three or four times. Um, but but there's, there's like this hunger in me to be like, man, I just want to see God do a thing that at the end of the day I know is him and not me. And you know where you will never see that? in a place of complacency where you're just like, God saved me to come and sit in a chair, hallelujah. No, that is not what he saved you for. Like, come sit in the chair because we need this, right? But he gave you six other days to do something else. Amen. God is calling people today into this place of impossibility you ever you ever had god just say something and you're like this crazy and you just shut it out and i can't do that you ever heard maybe even god just say hey go talk to that person about jesus and you're like i can't do that maybe that is like the first step out on the water into the impossible right you ever heard god say i just want you there's this person at work and i just want you to go and i want you just to just say hi and see where it goes and you're like mm, no Anybody? 
You ever, you ever felt God just kind of tugging you into that place? And what you do is the same thing Mary did. Hey, God, I'm Brad here. Um, maybe you meant that, Brad, because that's not me. And God's saying, no, I'm showing up because I'm talking to you. And I, I don't care that you're a nobody. I don't. Maybe we should all just hear that today because we're all nobodies, really, right? Like 60 years from now, is anybody going to be talking about you? 200 years from now, you're going to be in a book somewhere? Then you're a nobody just like me. A thousand years from now, if they're not still talking about you, you're a nobody. And let's just be honest, into eternity, we're only going to talk about one name and everybody else is a nobody. And God's saying today, you are. But not one thing is impossible with God. The whole story leans to not one thing is impossible with God. You ever breathed out a star? Textbook, impossible. God did it over and over and over and over and over again. You ever created life? Textbook, impossible. And God did it over and over and over again. There's a million different types of ferns on the planet. All little individual ferns, right? I can't tell fern A from fern B, but they're all specific and different. And they're all from the mouth of God. Textbook impossible, but not one thing is impossible with God. Planted a garden, put two people in it. Like out of nothing, two people in it. It's not the chicken or the egg. God just did it all at the same time. Textbook impossible, and God did it anyway. Right? Let's just fast forward a little bit in the story. There was a guy named Moses with a stick in front of a sea, and he raised up the stick, and the sea went, You done that? Textbook impossible, but very possible with God. Who's Moses? Some dude with a beard from the Middle East, right? You nobody. Baby in a basket. God puts him in the kingdom murders somebody, kicked out of the kingdom, and then God uses that guy to part some waters a little bit later on and lead the people out into the promised land. David, right? Giant. David, little bitty scrawny kid. Giant, big old dude with armor. Slingshot, lots of other stuff. David takes the giant. Textbook impossible, right? Very possible with God. Fast forward. Man named Samson, no eyes, knocks down temple on bad people, right? <laughs> Textbook impossible, possible with God. Story after story after story, and you get to Mary, virgin, never been with a guy, has a baby. Textbook impossible. You seen that anywhere else that ever been duplicated anywhere else? No, because it cannot be. Possible with God. Peter. Walks on water. You can't do that. I've tried. Impossible with man. Possible with God. Paul, Saul, right? Persecutes the church. Kills church people. Changed by God. Builds the church. Everybody says, not that guy, right? Even the church, when he gets saved, not that guy. He's, this is a, a decoy, Trojan horse. He's going to kill us. God uses him to build the church and to write most of this book. And what if God today is saying, let's put Brad in here. Let's put Brad right here in the story of God. Brad, do you want to be in the story of God? And you're saying, I just want to sit here. Let's put Jamie here. Let's put Jamie right here in the middle of the story of God. Nah, I'm good. Let's put Nick here, right here in the middle. Nah, I'm Nick, man. I can't do that. God, go pick Jeff. Like, leave me alone. Like, <laughs> does that even make sense? Is there any, like, just be honest today. Is there any hunger in you to see God do something that, that, that is a God thing? That at the end of the day, you know, like, there is no way in the world I did that. There is no way in the world I did that. Because it's in me. Yeah? 
Anybody? Like, it's a real, like, you don't have to raise your hand, but like, this, but let's ask ourselves today, like, is there any hunger in you to see God do something that at the end of the day, you're like, there is no way I could have done that. There's no way I'm not smart enough. I'm not good enough. I'm not talented enough. I'm not uh, eloquent enough. That's not my thing. I cannot do that. And then, and then God just to step down into that and be like, but you can with me. Can I, can I just be honest with you today? If you, you know Jesus, that's not the message, right? It's, it's the call. And there is a message that flows out of that, and that message is a scary message. Anytime God talks, it's a scary thing. Anytime the, the creator of the universe leans in your direction, it's a scary thing. But I believe if we were willing, if we, if we would just be open to it, God, what would you like to do today? What would you like to do? And then when he says it, don't go, no, n- never mind. <laughs> that we could see God do the amazing things again. The reason we don't see God do amazing things is because I don't really know anybody that's really open to it. And I think we've come to this place like Mary that we say, no, it's just, it's not me. I want to see somebody do it, but I don't believe you'll do it through me. And maybe God's just saying, well, it's not really about you. I'll do it through anybody who will say yes. My prayer is today that maybe we would just receive that truth. And we would lean towards this statement, not one thing is impossible with God. Not one thing is impossible with God. Some of you guys know people, and you're like, man, there is no way they're coming to know Jesus. And Jesus is like, I'm sending you right down their alley. Stop telling me what I can and what I cannot do. There is not one thing impossible with God. But God, they're addicted to blank. Don't tell me what I can do and what I cannot do. Everything is possible. I made the rules, and I'll do what I want. You know, in the Bible it says, in the Psalms, our God is in heaven and he does whatever he pleases. That's in there for us that are going to be like, oh, you can't do that. He's like, no, I'll do what I want. I wrote it in the book. And maybe today is, is, is a church, as a people. I don't care if it's two or ten or twenty or two hundred. Maybe today if just somebody would just say, God, I'm willing, and I'll I don't want to tell you what you can and cannot do anymore. I'm just willing. We would see that again. And then maybe we could hear God say, didn't I do it through, didn't I do it through them? Why, why wouldn't I do it through you? Did, didn't I do it through them? I called you the same way. Didn't I work through them? They got the same cross and grace and love you did. The invitation this morning is is a wide open invitation to those that are chosen. Let's pray.